Hello and good morning. Hiya. So this is episode, and I'm going to say 90. I was terrified. There's no way I was going to know. <laughs> so we're, this is being released later, so it's actually going to show up later in the uh, queue, just purely because we had some technical issues. It seems to be... Conf- of, <laughs> Can't get words out. It seems to be the way when it comes to um, when we do interviews, interviews with this tech. Yeah. But it's hey, our ho. wonderful French internet. I think, I think it is. Yes. <laughs> uh, who did we speak to? Uh, we speak to spoke to sorry uh, Louise Goss, um, who has the Homeworker website, which is uh, as it sounds all about homeworking um, and all the kind of um, tips and tricks that you need for homeworking. Because I think lots of people, especially with the pandemic that have been forced to homework initially you think it's like a an amazing thing like yay I get to kind of work in my pajamas and I don't have to do the commute and all of these things but there are challenges with homeworking especially when you know your family's around you and you haven't necessarily got the right setup and you've suddenly become your own boss and you have to motivate yourself so well it's super stressful right because if you've got kids They've got no concept, really, of the importance of the work that you're doing. And whatever's on their mind is the most important thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, as we all know. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, yeah, it was a great interview. She was great. And, uh, yeah, you should definitely check out, um, what's the website? The Homeworker. The Homeworker.co.uk. Yeah, and it's a publication that you should definitely check out. But, yeah. Yeah, it's a quarterly actual publication and I think she does a coffee table yearly like roundup of all the best um contents from the year um but obviously you can all find it on the website as well yes so enjoy the episode so hi Louise welcome to the show um you are on episode 90 I think aren't we today oh well we are on episode 90 yes we are so three months (laughs) yeah and um this is Louise Goss everybody she is from the Home Worker magazine, that is, um, you're the founder, and you're a journalist previous previous to that, or alongside the the Home Worker magazine. Alongside, I mean, in many ways, I still am because I still obviously have that role within the magazine. But yep, journalist, and then obviously have now started my own business as well with the magazine. Lovely. Um, and so, what started the Home Worker? Because it was prior to us all going crazy and, and working from home, I believe, was it? It was. So I launched the first issue in 2019. So yeah, it, before COVID-19 had entered our vocabulary, but it was an area that I saw more people were starting to sort of that, that and go down. Like people, you know, more people were requesting flexible working. Um, a lot of people were get, starting to go self-employed and freelance. And so the whole work from home area was was growing um I'd love to say I had this eureka moment and saw that we were all going to uh, be working from home but that wasn't really the case I was pretty much at a crossroads that a lot of um particularly mums arrive at after having children and I was a journalist and I'd been working in a lot of busy newsrooms and uh, both in London, but also in Australia, where we'd been living for a time. And then I had children. I'd been involved um, briefly in a tech startup for a time. And Mm -hmm. then when we came back to the UK, I was sort of looking at what I wanted to do. I still wanted to work, but going back into sort of a 24-hour newsroom and that 
sort of environment wasn't really conducive with family life with two young very young children mm. so yeah I I kind of was I picked up on this idea that I kind of started in Australia this sort of little idea of um working from home but also like it was more this awareness of how many small businesses there are how many entrepreneurs there are who are all home-based and doing mm. such a variety of different things and I thought oh, this, is, this is really interesting it'd be really great to hear their stories you know as a journalist that was what interested me and then um as that idea evolved the idea of the home worker came up because I actually you know when you're working from home there are so many different elements to it it's not just about you know pulling up a chair at your table and, and getting on with your day you know there are this we look at things like your well-being your actual work environment your home office space um the mindset that's required to do it successfully, productivity. So all these kind of things that come together. Um, and that's where the homework, and that's where the idea sort of stemmed from. And then, you know, I thought, well, I'll give it a go. <laughs> I'll put it out there and see. And then obviously, yes, I mean, it was, they had some really great feedback after the first issue. And then 2020 <laughs> happened a year later. Um, so who who could have predicted that one? But it was, um, yeah, it's been Absolutely. very busy. Yeah. I was, uh, that was my next question. I, I assume it has, obviously, <clears throat> excuse my voice today, um, it has kind of upped your level of, of work in, in terms of everybody's very interested in all the strategies that you need to kind of work from home and uh, which we'll, we'll go into. But yes, I'm, I'm assuming that has increased your readership quite significantly. Yes. And, you know, I suppose when I when I first started the magazine, I had my own experience that I could fall back on and talk about, you know, I'd worked from home and I'd been self-employed for a number of years. Over a decade, I'd been based at home doing various different things, both as an employee for a time, but also as um, as someone who's self-employed. And I, so I, you know, I, I had that experience. And then obviously doing the magazine, I was talking to so many different experts, psychologists, authors, coaches, um, you know, health professionals. And, you know, combined, I sort of, I guess, became almost like a sort of by default, this kind of expert in working from home, because I, I had all these sort of tools and tips um, to pull from. And, and it's so 2020 was busy in terms of interest in, in the magazine and, and people reading and, and going onto the website. But equally, I found myself, yeah, suddenly being interviewed a lot more and, and having those tables turned. So I'm normally the one <laughs> interviewing and um, talking to people about these things and then suddenly finding myself on the other side of the mic, as it were. So, yeah, as, as I am now. So it's, yeah, no, it's been yeah. an interesting yeah. year. I think it's, um, there's definitely strategies, right, to working from home that none of us are really told about. And it's great that you're creating these resources <laughs> effectively for people to be able to see that, Oh, I recognize that challenge. I had the same problems. I had the same things. And because we're so used to an office environment or a specific work environment supposed to optimize how we do things and everything else. And of course, your home is the entire opposite of that. It's quite the opposite. It's like leisure activities, chilling out and all this kind of stuff. So what would you say are the main kind of hurdles that most people find when they are trying to work from home? Where would you say some of the like common challenges that you, you kind of witness? 
Yeah. Um, well, I think you're right because you're suddenly at home, which you always associate with family time, with relaxing, and now you're suddenly having to associate it with work, which also brings with it stress and other things which you don't want to have to you know seep into your home life and your personal life and you want to be able to keep those as separate as possible and of course it's not always possible um it's very hard but I suppose as much as possible um trying to put those boundaries in place between you know working and and your home life but I think one of the main challenges with that is actually switching off because as soon as work, as soon as that laptop is is nearby, there's always a tendency to keep working. Um, and especially if you're running a business, for instance, because there is always something to do. Um, so of course, you know, if you're there and you can see the laptop close by or you've got notifications coming up, then I think the temptation often is I'll just reply to one more email or I will I will just see to this and, and we never fully switch off and I think that's one of the main challenges and so I always say you know if as if you've got if you're lucky to have a separate home office then it is easier you can literally close the door on it and and step away but for many people you know one of the other challenges is that we don't have the space you know our homes are not always designed to be um an office space as well so it's you know making that workspace as sort of defined as possible and not letting it spill into into the rest of, of the home and you know that's tricky especially if you say your your desk is in your living room uh, or something like that so you know if if it's impossible to keep it very separate I always say we'll just keep some areas of the home dedicated for relaxing where just make it a place where work never goes so if you know work may have to go to the kitchen table it may have to creep into a corner of your living room but if you have a certain space might just be the sofa where you used to say right I will never take my laptop to the sofa I will never you know start scrolling um social media there that then you've just got a place where you associate with downtime with relaxing and it just helps you to switch off a bit more I mean it, it is difficult I mean there are loads of things that I can talk about in terms of switching off <laughs> and, and and like little tips that we can all do to sort of help us do that. But I think defining those boundaries is a challenge, but also very important. Um, and I think the other thing is is just communicating, because like you say, we're in our homes where our families are, or you know, our, our mem other members of our household, and they don't wanna feel as if they're in an office <laughs> either. And so it's really considering, you know, all parties and, you know, making them aware of, when you're working, when you're available, when you're not available, um, and equally having those conversations, regular conversations with them, um, just so that everyone, you know, nobody's, you know, you can manage expectations and people don't feel as if they're um, living <laughs> in an office or having to sort of tiptoe around because, you know, this is their home too. And I think we have to be really conscious of that. Mm. 
Well, what do you say on a on a time management point of view? Because um, we often have this discussion between us because we work quite differently in terms of time. I I can very much kind of dip in and out of work, so I can do you know a couple of hours homework with the kids or cooking or whatever it is, and then a couple of hours work and then back and forth. And I tried to fight that for years to do a whole kind of you know like a yeah. nine till three or something working and then everything else. But I've actually gone back the other way because I've found that I I actually work quite well like that like dipping in and out whereas you're very much the opposite aren't you your your work or your home and so what what would what do you do and what what would you normally advise in that kind of situation yeah that's interesting and I don't want to gender stereotype but I do find it is generally that way around where um women and perhaps just because traditionally we're used to being the ones having to multitask and deal with lots of things that we find it perhaps a bit easier to do that and and I think men and again very sweeping statement but generally seems to be better at sort of compartmentalizing things a bit more and and um and yes yeah, sort of having you know those more intensive periods for work and then switching off and, and being at home I I've sort of experienced both, um, particularly at the moment with lockdown, um, I am dipping in and out a lot more. But I do find that I like to know that I have, you know, even if it's just a couple of hours stretch ahead of me. I mean, I tend to look at, um, you know, the diary and see see what's see what's happening, and and almost have like two different lists, you know, of, of work, so tasks mm -hmm. that you know, might only take me 10 minutes or 20 minutes, say. And if I do find that I have only got um, that amount of time or that short pocket of time in between something, then I will, um, you know, I can look at that list and go, right, well, I can get that done. Um, and although there are obviously some jobs for me that require a lot more um, focus, and I will try to do those when I've, you know, got that longer stretch of time ahead of me. And I sort of skew my day sometimes. So, you know, I know if you, I think it's really important to know when you're more productive and when you've got those sort of higher energy levels. For a lot of people, it's first thing in the morning. Um, and for me, mm -hmm. I find that too. So I'm a lot more productive in the morning. So I will try and get the jobs that require a bit more of my focus and attention and then in the afternoon I can you know perhaps after lunch <laughs> when things are when I've got perhaps got a bit more of a uh, less energy then um, that's when I will um, do something a little bit sort of less intensive if you like but but yeah I mean it's it's all I think very much around knowing what it is that you've got to get done and almost allocating you can be almost you can be quite clinical about it but if you sort of roughly know and allocate a time to those tasks then it's actually quite easy to see and, and if then it also makes it easier if something last minute pops up or something mm. with the children happens and you know when you thought you had you know two hours you've suddenly only got half an hour and you can at least still be productive and get something done from your list um and yeah and, and I think also when you are scheduling your day or planning out your jobs I think putting that um what I call sort of like white space in is quite important too because things do sometimes take a bit longer than you think um 
or other things happen and you get distracted or you, or and it just allows you to have a bit of a break between jobs um and allows you know so you're not like rushing all the time like one task next thing next thing next thing it, it sort of you know obviously that wouldn't be not very good for your stress levels so i always think looking at you know what it is you've got to do and getting really clear about that knowing how long roughly things are going to take and then sort of a loose schedule which is flexible because you can then pick and choose a bit and again knowing when you're most productive and when your energy is 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 good so that's all about sort of just knowing yourself a bit more as well is really important i liked um well, one of the, the things that you said just now about the um when you're structuring your day and you're putting these things in place and and understanding when you're most effective and everything else it's definitely an as there's definitely more of an aspect when you work from home of having to be more self-aware right mm-hmm. it would be more uh, whereas when you walk into an office yeah. it's you're kind of on the treadmill that's it you're off but there's something that doesn't happen to the yeah. same extent in an office environment that has to in home right which is there's a negotiation that has to happen with all the other parties in the prop in the in the property you're in, right? There's a the the they have to understand that 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 space and that time that you've created for yourself is your time to do X Y Z, and that's particularly challenging. And in fact, before we started this episode, we were we were all talking about our kids, <laughs> and and that's really challenging when the kids are at home, right? Because they they'll never fully understand or appreciate yeah, yeah. the the importance. Yeah what you're doing right so have you got any tips or suggestions on how to manage that dynamic yeah it is such a common problem and particularly i think people have found it a struggle in the last year because we've had lockdowns, schools have been closed and we've been trying to juggle i mean it's not been really a very um accurate (laughs) reflection of working from home I would say because you know we don't normally have to supervise a maths lesson you know in between (laughs) doing a um you know replying to emails and things but it's um I mean as I mentioned really with the communication aspect I think that's really critical even with children and getting them involved with planning the day I mean when in I remember in the first lockdown and because we've sort of got a bit better at it, we're um, we're not having to do this as often. But it was almost daily, just looking at okay, what have we got to get done, uh, you know, tomorrow, and and talking with the children about it so that they felt involved and important in sort of helping to to plan. And we'd you know look at things that they had to get done but also perhaps wanted to get done because I think there's a balance there with homeschool too. I mean it's I think unrealistic for a working parent to have to try and get through everything that they need to do while you're also trying to get your own work done. So we really tried to balance it with, you know, making things fun for them and then setting them off with activities that, you know, they could do a bit more independently. And I mean, all of this very much depends on the age of your children, of course, because if you've got older Mm -hmm. teens, who are much more independent and you know can read a sign on the door that says <laughs> I'm working and then that's that's fine but with younger children it can be quite difficult so mm-hmm. I found what's helped with us as well is as I say just very regularly but very clearly talking to them all the time about 
what it is that I'm doing and um, what, you know, what my, when I have to, you know, have some time to, to work and, you know, they've been really great at understanding that and adapting to that. Um, but then I've been very intentional. So, you know, when I have stopped working, you know, I have really been very present with them. And I think quite often if you have special quality time and enough of that quality time with them, that fills them up and then they're okay and they they can let you go off and you know they're not constantly pestering you I think it's when there's a lot of uncertainty where they're like they're not sure when you're going to be finished and um you know we're all guilty probably of saying yeah just in a minute just a sec just a sec and of course that means nothing to them because you know if they're taking it literally you know they'll be like well you've had a minute <laughs> you know so you know I think I I quite often will sort of say and with my older one you know I'll say you know when the clock says this I will I'll be stopping and I'll come and play and and I think when they have a bit more certainty about when you're going to be available and if you are really fully present at that time so you're not looking at your phone at the same time because you know it's very tempting to be playing half-heartedly with them or working half-heartedly and you know scrolling social media or doing something else on your phone at the same time and I've found that that just doesn't help anybody you know I'm not really getting very much done they're noticing that I'm not really with them so yeah it's been it's been um a bit of a work in progress but we seem to have found that that's what's helped us and um and helped the children as well so yeah it's it's a it's definitely a balancing act it's not easy you're so right to be because i'm i'm guilty of that all the time having like one foot in each camp and not really giving my attention to either side but i like what you said earlier about the um the white space because you're very good at that planning your your tasks whereas mm. i tend to try and fit way too much in do you use any um or advocate any time planning tools in particular like any system or do you just kind of devise your own i i suppose for me i'm quite <laughs> so as much as I like structure and find it works for me, I, I you know, I, I'm definitely somebody who would, if I didn't have anyone else <laughs> to consider, I would just sort my, I'd, you know, be very happy just like plowing through my tasks. I'd stop when I needed to stop, but obviously that's not realistic. And I've got a family, and um, and I also need to sleep, and so <laughs> and and take breaks. So I have found that I have to not so much now again because these things become habits and you become better at it but for initially you know things like even just setting an alarm a lot of people love and advocate the pomodoro technique so you know setting a timer for 25 minutes and then once that you, you sort of have that 25 minutes for something quite intensive and you can get as much as you can done in that in that time and it really forces you to focus and then when that alarm goes, you know it's time to take a break. And that's good for us anyway, because we are, you know, staying chained to the desk and hunched over a computer is is not good for us. And I think we are much more 
uh, prone to doing that when we work from home because in the office there are so many more reasons to be getting up and moving there are other people who might be popping over for a chat at the desk it's not always you know can be distracting but you know you're you might be popping over to the photocopier you might need to speak to somebody the toilet might be a couple of corridors away there's always reasons to be moving whereas at home we have much less need to do that so I actually think not just from a time um, management point of view, but just from your own sort of health and movement point of view, it's really a, a, a simple timer can actually be really useful. And I know they, I mean, ergonomic, um, ergonomists would recommend, you know, at least every hour getting up, moving, stretching, because, you know, we mentioned the home workspace before and Again, not everyone has an all singing, all dancing home office with all the latest equipment and ergonomic furniture. So actually moving is the best thing for you to make sure that you're you're not, you know, <laughs> you know, going to end up with um, painful injuries and long term discomfort when you're working. So, yeah, sorry, it was slightly off, but I would say that um, I've got better at time blocking because I have found that that it does work, um, but it's really kind of that's been forced upon me. So, um, but yeah, I, I say like a simple alarm, and you know, if you find that you struggle with focus, sometimes setting yourself a sort of very mini deadline is really helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, so I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on on the future because I've got a. We've been talking a little while now about how we could see that the future was going to be, or that we had a theory that the future was going to be a lot more people working from home, having multiple specialist kind of roles with multiple customers. Like they're, they're even though they're in, they're basically becoming more contractually based work as opposed to the traditional employment roles that we've all kind of grown up and very familiar with. So. The idea of like five websites like Fiverr, for example, and stuff like that, where you've got these specialist niches that you kind of work on. The gig economy. Yeah, the, there we go, gig economy. And so we we kind of watched that space grow and, and have felt that by the time our children are old enough, they're, they're probably going to be working in that kind of environment. And, I, and to my simple brain, it's almost like COVID has brought that whole thing but like forward in one way, I, it's going to be interesting. I don't know how, what your thoughts are, but it's going to be interesting to see how industry responds post-COVID mm. to the, oh, do we need these offices and, and how yeah. do we work? I, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, I think COVID has been a bit of a catalyst, really, for something, for a way that we were heading towards anyway. And I think it has just really sped up the process i mean I, I don't think we will all suddenly become freelance and there'll be no sort of big <laughs> big businesses but i do think that the larger corporations will probably start to adapt a more on mass a sort of hybrid approach to letting you know their employees work from home and work in the office and i think that will become much more normal um clearly some people don't enjoy working from home and clearly practically there are some jobs that can't be done from home but I think what we have found and what you know certainly from the people I've spoken to and and like people in business as well not just the entrepreneurs but the employees and 
business leaders, they have said, you know, we, you know, it worked, you know, they, what COVID has shown us is that it works, you know, there is the, the tech in place that, that can facilitate it. A lot of people much prefer the, um, the balance that it gives them, you know, with the, the work and, and family life. Um, you know, the lack of commute, which is suddenly, you know, mm -hmm. people have suddenly found themselves with so many more hours in their week because they're not commuting. So I think there's, there are some real benefits to working from home and it's not ideal all the time. People do miss out on social interaction. They miss out on the collaboration that's sometimes required and a lot of those spontaneous moments that happen in the office when you just do randomly bump into someone or strike up a conversation that can lead to other things. And so I think we'll probably see a return to the office, but not on the scale that it used to be. I think we'll see working from home become um, part of the future. I think that will be sort of here to stay, even if again, not on the scale we're seeing now. And, um, and yeah, and, and, you know, there will people will be questioning, okay, do we need all these big offices in and headquarters in the cities that cost a huge amount to run or are we going to start seeing mm -hmm. um possibly more sort of community hubs more regional smaller office spaces or converting the big offices into more kind of workshop event space you know just places where people will come for more collaborative work um and then everyone and working from home for the, for the rest of the time so yeah, it will be. It will be interesting. Um, I do think that's probably the way it's going to start going. But it, you know, in you know, in ten years' time, you know, it'll be really interesting to see what the landscape is like. Whether we have mm -hmm. still got all these massive offices that are being used as offices, and um, yeah, and, and you know, will people will more people be freelance? Well, I I think you know, especially because of COVID, where there's been a lot of job uncertainty there might be more people thinking about starting their own thing um going self-employed um and you know and perhaps businesses will see benefits also in hiring someone who's freelance rather than keeping on a, a permanent employee i don't know and obviously there's pros and cons there um for for all people but you know if they're not needing a big hq where hundreds of people turn up every day and they they're sort of realizing there's going to be a much more flexible future to the way we work um yeah it will know i mean i don't know whether that that will happen but i do think we'll definitely see more of us working from home um at least mm. you know a few days a week yeah talking about the uh, the social interaction piece um because you say that obviously home working does suit some people more than others. And I think that tends to be the kind of the entrepreneur, the, the freelancer, the mums, as you say, because obviously when you've got young children, that kind of works out a little bit better. Um, but the kind of um, dynamic that it really doesn't work for, also I've kind of been reading about a lot, is is the kind of late teens, early 20s, where they, they obviously go to work for the social aspect as well as for the for the working then these people are a lot of the time they're living on their own as well or in flat shares and now they're having to work from the, that situation yeah. at the same time um those people how what kind of advice is there for those about stopping the loneliness that might be seeping in and the isolation that they might be feeling have, have you had any kind of 
thoughts or or kind of people approach yeah. you on that side of things sorry bear with yeah, us we it's have definitely children having a walk talking about you know if you look at who um at, like you say at these sort of the areas of the the um sectors of the, the population who are sort of struggling the most and it tends to be yet the graduates and the younger people not just from a social point of view but just from a space point of view and like you said you know a lot of them are in flat shares and that is not ideal for trying to all work from home and you've you know got problems with you know internet and bandwidth and all that sort of thing so yeah. it's yeah, um yeah. I think I think like I said, with the way that we're going to end up working, I think hopefully, you know, we will see people being able to return to the office for that sort of social, for the more social side of things. Um, I think co-work, you know, you, we can't forget co-working spaces in this equation as well, because even if you are meant to be working from home, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be at home. So, you know, when things do start opening up a bit more, um, I'm pretty sure they'll, you know, if people in that situation where being at home doesn't suit them very well, you know, you can go to a co-working space and there's a whole other um, sort of you know, question, I suppose there about what businesses will have to um, help provide. So, you know, we'll, we'll end up seeing, okay, well, what benefits do, do businesses provide their employees? You know, are they going to help fund some co-working in the week, you know, if they're not coming into the office? So there's lots of questions there, of course, but um, but I think co-working spaces and um, and then a, and a few days in the office, I think that's going to be the ideal. And I think just if you are stuck at home at the moment, it's just really important to be very open and transparent with your colleagues, with your team, your boss, about what potential struggles you've got, because, you know, they have to be understanding at this time as well, you know, it's not ideal. Um, and, you know, if you're not at your most productive, <laughs> you know, I think we all need to be, uh, you know, accept that that might be the case at the moment. And, you know, scheduling in or, you know, just finding time for social calls and getting out of the house as much as possible yeah we can't go out and socialize but you know we can go out for a walk and we can um you know just get a new a fresh perspective on things just stepping outside and just taking a breather I mean it's it, being confined in the four walls of your home potentially with other people who are also trying to work that that's hard and that's a sort of a pressure cooker situation so I think we have to also remember our our mental health and well-being at this time as well particularly at this time and and make sure we are stepping away getting outside if we can maybe just for a walk and you know we can't stop and and hang out and socialize and go for picnics in parks and that sort of thing yet but um mm. but that will come and also we will um you know, just getting out, even if you're just seeing other people around having a walk or going for a run, it just helps you feel a little bit normal again and a bit more part of society again. So, mm -hmm. I just like to say it's entirely ironic <laughs> that we're, that talking, about we're talking about children and home uh, and working from home, and our two decided to have a meltdown <laughs> whilst we're doing this interview. But um, I just want to. Um, 
Yeah, I just want to um, just touch on one thing as well. I think there's there's this weird dynamic at the moment um, for a lot of people because a lot of people might be taking the view that oh, that homeworking is definitely not for me because the last few weeks and months have been an absolute nightmare to do homework and everything else. And I think your point earlier about that this is a bit of a this is a strange time to be assessing the value of homeworking because. Mm There's too because fundamentally there's too many dynamics at play at the moment, right? You've got you've got the school system that is trying to adapt to the whole COVID stuff and is is suddenly trying is reacting, especially in the UK, is reacting to how uh, to this in terms of trying to educate the children in a way that probably wouldn't be used in any other at any other time. But, um, so you have that dynamic, and then you have this dynamic of businesses are trying to work out. How do we make our staff really effective? And we've seen dynamics where um, we know people that work in kind of sales roles and things like that for their companies. And suddenly they found that they may have, they may take one meeting a day with a client um, and that might require them to travel to that client, sit down, have coffee, have a chat, and then they have their meeting and then they go home. And then all of a sudden they're on six Zoom calls a day with six different clients and so on and they're and they're finding the pressure and the stress of that is on a whole nother level and and so there's this there's this weird it's like everything's in a bit of a state of flux yeah. right now nobody's quite sure what where the foundation is would you would you agree <laughs> no i absolutely agree and i i think i mentioned earlier it really hasn't been a fair reflection of what working from home is or could be um especially when you have mm-hmm. had all these other um well just so many other sort of pulls on our on our time and our attention you know such as children and homeschooling and and you know you touch on the, the zoom calls and things and i think we've got to be really careful there because by default it just became the way that we all communicated and had our meetings and you know, it's not great to be stuck on, um, you know, five Zoom calls a day. And it, it, there, you know, Zoom fatigue has entered our vocabulary now. It, it is, it is a, you know, a problem, and nobody can really sustain that. And I think we've got to be very conscious of how we communicate going forwards as well. Like, is a Zoom call necessary? Yes, sometimes it is, and sometimes we want to be able to see each other and that's really important Mm. sometimes you can get as much achieved over uh email uh, a couple of emails back and forth Mm. or uh, or a phone call and i think we've got to really look at how we do this and 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 moving forwards and i've you know i've spoken to a lot of people about this as well with things that we're sort of developing at, at the home worker and creating um a bit of a hub for working from home and so businesses I've spoken to who are creating new ways now of, of communicating virtually. So Zoom doesn't automatically become the default. It's it's brilliant, it's useful, and it has its place. And I don't think we'd have got through the last year without it. But I think we have to look at, okay, so how are we going to, you know, bring all of our thoughts and ideas together and, and collaborate, but without necessarily being you know trapped almost in a zoom meeting where you might only say a few words and you could really be getting on with a lot of other things i mean you talk about the salesperson who would travel to a meeting have a meeting go back um 
probably less stressful in some ways because you've only got one thing that you're doing whereas now they're suddenly trying to be pulled into you know six different meetings in a day well I think it's it's just finding that balance I mean you could argue that her traveling to that meeting was a, a waste of time because we don't need to do it but there are going to be times where we want to meet in person and that's really important so I think it's going to be like you say moving forwards just looking at you know how we how we do business where we do business and 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 and, and how we communicate because as brilliant as a zoom call is there are a lot of things we don't pick up over through the screen and that's why meeting in person is still going to be important where there are many um sort of subtle nuances and things that just don't translate across the screen and um you know body language and and other things and it's just i think we just have to be very much you know aware of how we are conducting meetings and and they'll probably become actually more purposeful in a way but we don't want to go too far in that we're trying to be so uber efficient that we're trying to cram in five a day you know we have to you know allow ourselves that time to um de uh, you know process and and debrief things and and you know step away from the screen as well that's really important yeah um, sorry i was just going to say that it's that your your point about the the nuance of communication i I remember reading something years and years ago about how much of how much communication is through body language versus how much is spoken when you're when you're communicating with anybody and i'll be really interested to see whether it ever happens whether anybody does a study but I'd be really interested to see what happens, what people think about this dynamic of, say, a multi-Zoom call when you've got 10 people up on the screen or five people up on the screen or whatever it is, because it's a weird dynamic, right? Because you're, you're one, you're not able to read body language or really be able to identify in some instances quickly and easily connect with the person that's communicating within that group, right? In the group of five or 10 people. But at the same time, you're consciously aware that you're yeah. being evaluated on what? Mm. and it's a weird it's a it's we're not I don't think as animals we're really equipped to communicate comfortably in that environment Mm. you mean via via the screen you mean with all these yeah when it's multiple when it's like when there's like 5 10 15 20 people on the screen on these multiple zoom calls I don't think we're really it's not a very yeah, I mean, effective way of yeah and it can be quite no and, it, and it's quite intense as well like it you know it really dra- it does drain you you know if you're trying to f- mm-hmm. concentrate really hard and you know because you're wondering if you might have to you know if somebody mentions your name and you're saying like oh <laughs> i've got to speak and you're really yeah. trying to hard very much to listen you know because if you're in a meeting with other people and you're all just sort of sitting around you sort of absorb things it's a, it's probably a bit more relaxed whereas when you're all just sitting on a screen like just really trying to concentrate hard it, it's it, it does get quite um quite tiring actually so I think that mm-hmm. is that is tricky I think and, and this is interesting because my husband is um works remotely now and um has said you know the meetings that they have with multiple people have to be quite well facilitated you need a really good f- 
facilitator who can bring people in if they're not perhaps haven't said something or they feel they need to um, and just make sure that everybody gets an opportunity to speak but also that everybody actually the way that we talk is is clear you know like you, you might get away with sort of mumbling a bit in a meeting in person because you can sort of lip read a bit more or gauge what they're saying just from their body language whereas suddenly you're like no you have to be able to speak up you have to be able to use language that everybody understands you know yeah, so it sounds obvious, but you know, sometimes people do use a lot of jargon or they try and get through it by um, sounding impressive using all these words and not everybody understands. And actually in a, on a Zoom call that, that will not cut through and it'll, and it's really difficult. So yeah, it needs to be really sort of well facilitated and we need to make sure that I think uh, a lot of people now start using these breakout rooms, don't they, in Zoom so that you might mm -hmm. all have multiple people in the meeting but then you can sort of break out into smaller groups where you can perhaps mm -hmm. do a bit more uh, a bit more of the sort of meaty work <laughs> that needs to get done yeah I think uh, that that's really important to to kind of have that downtime space in between I, I personally am hoping that it it goes in a uh, results kind of based way. I, I was listening to a chat the other day um, that was um, a bunch of employers are talking about how to get the most out of their employees and, and one in particular was saying that he doesn't have any kind of time expectations on any of his staff. He doesn't care when they work, when they turn up, what holiday they take. None of it is measured. Yeah. It's all about the results. Um, and I just think that that I hope that's the way that we kind of go yeah. because it's a much more kind of common sense approach. Uh, whereas on the opposite side mm -hmm. of the scale, we know a, a developer friend of ours, mm -hmm. and he just has to sit on meetings all day long. And he said it's just such a waste of time. Yeah. So it is, and that's what I'm saying about you know it, you can sometimes kind of get trapped into these meetings where you're not actually yeah. providing any value and it, and it is a waste of your time and you could be getting on with other things and um that that first example you gave is is what people i think should be doing and what leaders should be looking at now and you know it's the the output over hours um you know mm -hmm. one of the joys one of the great benefits of working from home is that you have more autonomy and that you have flexibility and i think trust is obviously a big factor and it's going to be something that we probably talk about a lot more but I think if you've got a really good relationship with your team and the trust is there and you can and people have very clear um sort of expectations and, and know what it is that they're meant to be doing and again it sounds obvious but sometimes uh, you know you if you if you're not entirely sure <laughs> what the end goal is um it can be very hard to sort of know exactly what what you're meant to be doing so i think tasks need to be almost quite granular in how people let, you know, know what it is mm -hmm. that you're meant to be doing and, and breaking them down so that people have a very um sort of defined okay this is what i need to get done and yes there may well be a deadline have it done by this time but within that it doesn't really matter whether you are sitting at your desk nine to five or whether you're sort of getting up at five and doing a couple of hours and then having a bit of time off and then you know that sort of thing should be and i think is hopefully probably how we are going to end up working a bit more as long as people it'll take a lot some people and some businesses a lot longer to adapt to that um but for me, that seems like the common sense way of, of doing it. There is 
a lot of inefficiency by making people just sit at their desk and you know for a certain number of hours when they could be doing something that doesn't just benefit them from a productivity point of view but also for their well-being and obviously you really need to make sure that your your employees are looking after themselves and um, and enjoying themselves and doing things that they can to um to keep them selves healthy because obviously that in turn has benefits for the business anyway yeah i think you're i i think if you take the things to the extremes it, it kind of makes in in my mind it, it makes things quite obvious in which direction businesses have to go so for example if you make it results based then that pushes businesses to be very, very specific about the work that they require from the people doing it, right? And and the management of that work, the quality control and yeah. and, and all of that kind of stuff. If you if you go by if, if businesses choose to take the different view, the different paradigm of, oh no, 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 we're used to we've we've used for decades hourly rates and we're going to carry on with hourly rates, then the extreme of that is surveillance-based working. And that means that as employees, you end up giving up an enormous amount of your privacy and, and your freedoms for that surveillance-based working. And, and that's dangerous and that's very unattractive for any, it should be very, it should be offensive to anybody to go down that road. So it'll be, yeah. but you're right, I think it's gonna take yeah. time for businesses to adapt. And there'll be, and we'll see over the coming months and years, this kind of testing of both channels and hopefully the, the results space will be the winner. Yeah, I mean, you know, because especially with some very long established and very large corporations, you know, where there's a real ingrained culture, you know, that it's hard to, to sort of shift. There's a real shift that's required there. Um, and that has to kind of come from the top down as well you know you have to have the example being set and that has to you know and that works actually in the other way in terms of you know we talk about being flexible and but also about being switching off so you know if your boss is emailing you at 10 o'clock at night that is that sort of reinforcing a culture of always being switched on and always being flexible and available and I think we have to be careful on that way as well that we're not um modeling that sort of behavior and culture as well so but yes i mean hopefully results based does does win out but you know i remember thinking about this when you were talking about you know knowing what the output is meant to be and what you know the breakdown of your job if you like and how and what your output has to be and the the end goals but i guess there are some jobs where that's quite hard to define and that would be quite difficult. Um, so I think, again, it, it almost has to be done on a bit of a case-by-case -case basis. And we just have to start using our, our common sense. It's often in short supply, though, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> common sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know. Very easy to say. It's common sense. <laughs> so um, coming back to the homeworker. So it is a... Um, quarterly publication is that right yeah so it's a we do like um a quarterly uh digital uh magazine and then we have each year an annual print edition um and i may increase the frequency of the print but at the moment it works really well because it's sort of a curation of the best of the year's content to form 
kind of like an annual guide to working from home. Um, but rather than just being a one-off, because it's a reflection of the year, um, it really sort of documents the year. And, and it will be interesting, like each volume each year will sort of, I guess, show how things are, are changing as, as things do evolve um, in terms of how we work. But yeah, it's all, it's very, um, it's quite practical. Um, but also, you know, we, we take pride in sort of the, the design and the aesthetic. So it's like a nice quality um, magazine. It's very sort of fresh and then, but also covers quite a lot of relevant um, topics and and uh, I say uh, the whole so very holistic view of working from home really so health and well-being business and productivity and then sort of your lifestyle and your environment so I kind of always see it as a bit of a fusion of you know business lifestyle well-being magazine <laughs> sort of but but in the way that that is that's working from home it's all very integrated yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so where can people find you and like, if they want to subscribe to the magazine, where's where's the best place for people to go? Yeah, um, well, the best, the easiest way is just on the website, which is thehomeworker.com. Um, and then we are on social media as well. So Instagram um, at thehomeworkermag, and that's the same for Facebook. And then um there's LinkedIn and, and Twitter, which I sort of get on occasionally. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of your journalist background, just as a, on a kind of side note, um, where do you see that going in the future? Because I've I've been seeing quite a shift myself um, from, and I don't know if this is just COVID or if it's the way that the world was going anyway, but a lot of kind of publications are, are going online and, and charging sometimes to kind of download the rest of the article, that kind of mm -hmm. thing, because the prints are kind of not, obviously the, the, the demand isn't as there anymore. Um, do you see like the journalist world kind yeah. of ending up almost all online or where do you see the future with that well yeah I mean I do think I do think online is is going to be how I mean that's how more of us are, are consuming our you know our news and our information um yeah I mean it's it's interesting because I remember and I forget which newspaper it was that start you know a few years ago started charging for to read their articles and um I think it might have been the times actually and uh, sort of initially but now you're seeing other newspapers doing the same thing because you know otherwise yeah how do they you know rev they've got to make money still and that's really difficult and uh, interestingly with the print yes there was like a sort of this big decline in, in in print sales but equally and I've certainly found you know with so with the homeworker, for instance, like independent magazines, there has been a bit of a sort of, uh, sort of upsurge again, actually, in in those and and the number of titles sort of being coming out. And and I think I don't think people will avoid print altogether. I think there are people out there who. 